Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the twice-weekly podcast that will open your eyes to the kinds of insights you can use to better run your business. Come have your morning Joe with hosts Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins, who have the right recipes and ingredients to easily help you cook up a storm for even your toughest competitor. No lectures, no wasting your time telling you how smart they are, and no bullshit. The Small Business Wake-Up Call is going to make you think, laugh, and help you recognize how much money you've been leaving on the table with advice that'll help you improve your quality of life. Lonnie and Stan are small business veterans who will share their individual war stories and experiences, not only from their own businesses, but also from guiding hundreds of other small business owners in over 100 industries. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan and save yourself some headaches. Grab that second cup of joe, or maybe something a bit stronger, and let's see what's on the menu for today. Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call. Here are your hosts, with cups in hand, Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins. Good morning, everyone. I'm Lonnie Shambi, and for my partner, Stan Simpkins, welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call. A warm and friendly greeting from both of us from the chilly East Coast. We call this episode... What we have here is a failure to communicate. A great line from a great old movie, Cool Hand Luke, that is often the essence of what causes negative customer and employee relationships. It's not just with the obvious direct communication with a customer, but it's, it's likely it's with internal communication or lack thereof within a business that affects the customer. Big consumer companies like cable TV operators are the poster children for this situation. So Stan and I will begin our diatribe using them as starters. I mean, it's uh-uh. as they used to say, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. Lonnie, I got to interrupt yes. you, okay? Just in fairness, I just yes. take a breath, okay? So we should warn everyone they got to get their hard hats on for this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. No question. Most often in these businesses, and then the businesses we'll talk about otherwise, not only is the left hand not aware of what the right hand is doing, but they're also not even aware they're part of the same body. What results is this schizophrenic relationship with the customer and a boatload of bad examples or good ones, depending on how you view it, for small business owners to avoid. Stan and I would like to recount a series of recent experiences that we both have had that emphasize my point. Stan, take a whack at this one that I teed up just perfectly if I say so myself. (laughs) I'd say you did. Well, good morning, Lonnie, and good morning to all of our listeners. So, Lonnie, I got to warn you right away that you're opening up a Pandora's box. You know you are. I think Lonnie's got the little voodoo doll. He puts pins in it. He's pushing at me just to make up for all the tiffs and scuffles we've had because of our own internal communication, which we had just this morning, I might add. When our, yes. We have technical difficulties, as we say, with this computer system. Okay. And I'll bet you that our listeners, you probably can relate to this too. 
how about all the times that you called for tech support and end up moving between several reps and it seems like we're having to rehash the same thing we just told the previous five reps or when you talk to someone who says oh i'll have my person get back to you your hair is growing bigger down to your knees okay by the time you get a call back if ever yeah, <laughs> you'll love this one then get your hard hats on for this one so my most recent example is when i called a software company i had first i got this audio visual recording equipment application i should say and i had been using it and i had upgraded it recently only fine that it wouldn't recognize the microphone. These not so cheap microphones we bought for these podcasts. Right. Yep. And that little escapade lasted over two months. True story. Two months. I had six emails and chats, video chats with your audio chats with them. Promise were made that there'll be fixes coming out and we're moving it up the levels and the whole everyone listening has probably been down this road before. And after a rally of three messages, which included promises to get them done within the week, what did I get? I get an email saying, we're refunding your money. We don't know the problem and we can't tell you when it'll be fixed. That was just a wonderful thing. (laughs) So, and at that point, I actually believe that these companies sometimes hope that they'll just wear you down and go away. Huh, that's it. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. It's it. Yeah. They're companies that actually time people on customer service calls and they get dinged if they go over a certain period of time, like three minutes. It's yeah, it makes me sit here and wonder, Lonnie, if the president or salesman or someone at an executive level, and they come easily even aware of the problems that are going on in their company in some form or other, and what they would do about it. It's just like you use that word fiefdoms in a lot of conversations you and I have. Talk about that a little bit. Basically, it's silos is really what happens. Okay, and this is a perfect example of left hand, right hand, because the fiefdoms won't allow people to speak to each other. Mine's from a few years back, and within a three-week period, I was sent a notice that free of charge, cable operator was going to upgrade my modem router so that I could better achieve the dazzling speeds promised. And to this day, incidentally, we were in fact one of the things we were talking about this morning is they've never even come close to hitting the speed that they promised. Not even close. Within 50%, maybe. So then during a customer service call, I get somebody to come out and fix my service. I was upgraded to a new multi-room device that would reduce my monthly bill. And finally, I was informed by letter that I'd been billed incorrectly for multiple months and that my bill was going to be up by 25%. What? What? And then the modem router they sent me only had two phone jacks. And at the time, I had three lines. This several years ago. Since then, I've got no lines. I come to find that they don't yet provide a four-line box. They only come in two. And the service they sold me was not yet available in my area. I swear to God, this is absolutely God's honest truth. Lastly, the charge increase had to do with the new service they sold me. But the letter they sent me was incorrect. I was actually being overbilled, and my bill would be reduced by 20%. They at least got that one sort of right, but for the wrong reasons. I'm sure many of you have had similar experiences with large companies. Each of these issues could have been avoided before they ever became problems for me. Primarily, they were caused by a breakdown in communication between departments, in a big company with its bureaucracy and its fiefdom, that, and that's how I pronounce it. I'm sorry, Stan. Communication <laughs> often gets short-circuited by silo thinking. 
That is, each department solely focused on what they're doing, independent of how or whether it affects other departments or the customer. So, Lonnie, are you telling me it's big companies only? (laughs) No, it's not, (laughs) unfortunately. It's less so in small companies, but they still do it. Look at all the models they have to look at. How could they not? Well, you know, there's more than just a lesson there, Lonnie. There's a host of them for small business owners. That's really who we're directing this to when it comes to communication. So we're not trying to say this is a big company thing only. No, oh it's no. It's an anybody company. It's hard to talk to yourself alone with a bunch of other people. Yes. And how it affects your customer relationships and your employee relationships, really, it's really critical. So while hopefully you don't have the bureaucracy or fiefdoms and, or fiefdoms if you like them, okay, inside <laughs> your company... <laughs> <laughs> You'll still have people. We can't even communicate on one word. Fiefdoms, fiefdoms, okay. Well, there must be a rule for that. If you're a okay. fief or a fife, that's what's got to think about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and people just being focused and trying to do their job, the best job they can, I might add, may have a habit of creating silos without even knowing it, being the individual or group. And this can happen whether you have a company of two or 202 people. It's just human nature. <laughs> Worse yet, there's sometimes an insidious characteristic I call hot potato. And whether everyone knows it or not, what it looks like, somebody has a problem, and rather than taking the problem to a complete solution, they simply pass the potato to someone else. Oh, have we seen that one before? Hoping never to have to see it again. We're moving to the next level, and there's nobody above them, but we're moving up the ladder, okay? Now, that's different than having a process that the potato, at least, is still in the radar of the company, to short satisfactory resolution. And you talk about a way for a company to shoot itself in the feet. Huh. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Stan, sometimes business owners are just tone deaf, especially when it comes to their own customers, even their good ones. Do you really listen to your customers? Or are you like many small business owners who think that no complaints means things are good? Or worse, if there are complaints... Customers don't appreciate your product or service's true capability. In short, it's the customer who's wrong, not the company. Does your ego or inattentiveness just make you tone deaf when it comes to listening to what your customers are actually saying to you? I had a client I was working with who had a really good customer who I'd known outside of this client relationship who gave notice and was not going to renew his contract. The client had 12-month contracts and, and the like. And this guy was giving him a heads up six months in advance. My client was shocked and not unaware that they were unhappy, but put aware in quotes because all the signs were there. I'd done a survey for majority of his customers maybe six months earlier. Told them one of his large customers, this one, amongst others, were particularly unhappy His customers, as I said, operate on an annual contract. And this customer told me midway through the contract that he probably was not going to renew, giving me a litany of reasons. I passed these on to the client, sort of blew off my recommendations that he would contact the customer and have one-on-one dialogue about it. He said he'd consider it, but this customer was a real complainer. He just bitched and moaned all the time and just didn't get it. And when it came to the power of the service the client was offering, he thought it was beyond description. Well, hmm, hmm. guess what happened? He left. But go ahead. 
Wow. What do you think, Stan? What do you think <laughs> happened then? Well, worst yet, Lonnie, I'll bet that that unhappy customer was expecting you to be the messenger. And when the client failed to reach out to him, he probably pissed him off even more. Well, not only that, but the customer in this case passed on his dissatisfaction through the local chamber. Oy, oy. Of which he was a very influential member. So not only did the client burn that bridge, but several others that he didn't even realize he'd built yet until it was too late. Ego and stupidity have almost no limit. Wow. And I'm sure our audience can give us their stories too. So we hope that you'll actually reach out to us at sbvirtualroundtables.com and put an info at before that. And you can tell us your story. We'd love, we'd love to share them with you. How do you as a business owner stop being tone deaf and avoid the failure to communicate and the attendant negative impact on your customer relationships and keep your company customer focused? So here's some guidance that's worked out for both Lonnie and I and our companies and not only the ones we've had, but the ones we've managed or helped others to be advisors to. Number one, schedule periodic all hands meetings. Now this creates an environment where as much as possible, Everybody knows everything that's happening in the company, good or bad. And even if you have a virtual company, technology like Zoom, Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, GoToMeeting, whatever, affords you a visual or at least audio connection between and among your staff, no matter what or where they're located. So keep it to an hour maximum if possible. And the more, no less than monthly though, the more current the information, the better it is. They have to be scheduled ahead of time and they can't be missed. Unless somebody's on vacation, real, of course. And of course, have an agenda and take some notes too, I might add. So number two, review your current projects. Look at the current issues and problems, especially with affect the customer and the current sales and financial status, because everybody should be aware of the numbers. And we talked about that actually in a previous podcast. And this isn't a pizza lunch or cheerleading session or group therapy. It's information exchange. The more folks know, the more connected they feel. And the more connected they feel, the more they communicate with each other. Stan, it's a great point. I had a client who had a major problem. Sales were down by nearly 20%. Net income by the same. And turnover was reaching 25%. So his solution was to have these meetings on a weekly basis. Yes, you heard me correctly. That would be weekly. All hands for an hour. Talk about micromanaging. He could never understand why nothing much got done in them because mostly they became bitch sessions for people to complain about customers and why this or that didn't happen and the agenda never changed and there never was a follow-up. Attendance was never more than 75% because nobody ever tracked it. That was at least until their favorite advisor, moi, jumped into the fray. (laughs) I mean, hell, I'm going to take credit where credit is due. Stan, have you ever known me to not take credit? (laughs) (laughs) These became very tightly focused meetings with to-dos and follow-ups. And they had to answer to each other more peer-to-peer. Oh, and incidentally, they took place only monthly. Results? In six months. Six. That's six meetings. Sales increased by 30%. Net income by 20% and turnover, zero. Why? Because they felt like 
Somebody was listening. We were doing shit and we were following up. That's the important thing. Follow up. Don't just have a meeting to have a meeting. Have a meeting that's going to go someplace. Well, Lonnie, in our ever-progressing war of war stories between us, you made me think of another one. I had mentioned in previous podcasts, the two brothers in the home remodeling company that were- Oh, yeah. Oh, out. yeah. I'll call the company Bizwalls. Let's look and have a B in it. So that's not the name of the company, but I'll use it. So one of the things we did, we instituted exactly what you're describing. We had all the field workers coming in, about 25 of them, highly skilled craftspeople. And we introduced a thing called the Bizwald Bucks, which is- we would not randomly, but we would just pick out people who showed they were prepared, like they actually brought their notebooks because we asked everyone to keep a notebook of the meetings. Yikes. Oh my, is that an innovative thought? A writing utensil with them. <laughs> and so we would go, everyone raised their books. Did I have to tell you not everyone raised their books? No, at least not it the first them. time. Yeah. So the next time, and what we did is we had the Biswald Bucks. And the people who had the books got the Biswald Bucks. And we'd give them the $5, $10 bill. Didn't take long before people were bringing the books. But the point is, we knew we were on the right track because guess what everyone was saying? Why didn't we do this before? Ah, there you got it. You see, it's peer pressure that did that for you. And that's phenomenal. That really is. And it's a real live story. So, you know, in this electronic age, you know, we can't overlook encouraging face-to-face communication wherever possible. And sometimes face-to-face is through Zoom or whatever. Even email, if it's critical, even texting are often the primary business vehicle that we use in communication. Some of us older people used to phone calls are now even doing the text thing. (laughs) But sometimes it's emotionless for sure. And you could scream in all caps if you want, like I do at Lonnie, (laughs) but it's just not the same. I love hollering at Lonnie on Zoom face-to-face. Absolutely. It takes more time sometimes just to create a thought and you can send out six emails what could have been done in a five-minute phone conversation. So it eliminates a lot of back and forth and more importantly, miscommunication. I don't care what anybody says. There's some things you just never want to do by email. And then the resulting follow-up consequences of that. Email or text. And see, text is another thing. Millennials today, and if there are any millennials out there, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm merely bringing up the point that You need face-to-face. If in a face-to-face is only available via Zoom or something like that, do it. But get face-to-face, even for five minutes, walking down the hall if you're still in that kind of a physical location. And especially for our millennials who are far more into using the technology that certainly we all use and it's great, but they almost overuse it. You've mentioned the past line, the power of just sending a letter, a written snail mail letter, and how it can get a lot more openings than, than an email. Well, guess what? Make a friend, call them sometime. We got a whole lot more to share with you. Before we do it, I'd like to share this useful information, then Lonnie's going to have another tip for you in just a minute. As a small business owner, you face many challenges. You're not alone. What can be even more stressful is not having someone to talk to who doesn't have their own agenda. What if you could talk? in-depth and confidentially to other small business owners like you on a periodic basis, folks facing the same challenges or who have solved the same problems. The Small Business Virtual Roundtables is the answer for you. Small Business Virtual Roundtables are held monthly for 90 minutes. Membership in each roundtable is limited to 15 people, providing ample time for each member to have their issue addressed by their fellow members. 
These peer advisory groups were formed to avoid competitive concerns while taking into consideration company size and characteristics that closely match your own business. Need more attention? There is a complimentary 30-minute one-on-one session with the facilitators during the month to seek additional feedback. Monthly membership fees to the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are less than the cost of an hour with your attorney, and this is all done without ever leaving your office or home. Just the time savings of avoiding needless driving is worth the cost. New groups of the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are now being formed on a first-come, first-served basis. Ready to sign up? Head to sbvirtualroundtables.com to receive a complimentary invitation to attend up to three meetings. Again, that's sbvirtualroundtables.com. With Small Business Virtual Roundtables, there's no need to go it alone. And now, back to Lonnie and Stan. One of the things I would encourage for any small business is to make it a standard question that employees ask themselves. How will what I am doing affect our customer? Make this a question everybody asks themselves every single day. Post it around. And if they're not sure, encourage them to come and ask you or to talk to somebody in customer support or sales. This not only fosters communication, it keeps everybody focused on what's or actually who's most important. And that is the customer. This especially includes folks in finance and administration who often implement what they feel are minor policy and procedure changes that become major irritants to customers and customer support because they are communicated so badly, if at all. (laughs) There you go again, Lonnie. I I tossed this one over the fence to you because, (laughs) oh, you come from that side of the house. (laughs) So don't you just love the one when they... Well, it's company policy or some other bullshit excuse. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> just to tire you out enough to give up on your issue. We talked about just a moment ago. Like when I, I remember my microphone example, or when I and they finally eventually got a refund after two and a half months of back and forth emails and chats. I love their chat. Just to save you an email. You still have to type. Lonnie, I'm so cynical, okay, and untrusting of companies under systems control about these kind of matters that I'll admit, really, I'm OCD on how well I document all my encounters and keep all my records to support my position on the assumption that somewhere and somehow somebody is going to drop the ball. And that's the state of the fact. You should see the documentation I keep. And sadly, it doesn't take more than one incident, if you think about it, to justify all the efforts. As much as you say, oh, that's a waste of time. You only need one to make you glad you did. In fact, it recently happened. I can believe this. My wife and I had signed up online to get our shots at a local pharmacy and had three letters. Simply put, had I not had copies of the information that I had previously already put in the system and registered online, my poor wife would have been sitting there at the counter, only directed to go home without a shot, and start from scratch, re-registering the whole thing. I just, that Murphy's Law me says, I better stay. She was scheduled for 15 minutes after me. I go, maybe I'll stay. And don't you know I come back and there she's in line. The guy, we don't have you registered because they duplicated my appointment instead of giving her hers, even though I put her information in separately. Another tip is have every employee spend one day a quarter in customer support. If only observe, then they're going, are you kidding me? Try it once and see you'll get that same reaction of, why didn't we do this before? There's nothing better for developing a sensitivity to customers and their questions 
about issues or concerns with your products or services. It also provides further perspective, Lonnie, to other functions about how they might affect that customer. Think about it, how it might affect the customer. If you think ahead and think of Murphy and say, what's going to happen if things go wrong? Then you ask yourself, maybe I should do something to preclude that from happening. And having answering calls, finding solutions for customer problems like is a great experience for them. It's the best. It really, really is because they then hear the voice of the customer saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? What's happened to this? What's happened to that? It's stuff that you couldn't possibly have understood unless you heard it. And if somebody from another department's actually answering the phone, interesting. Interesting, their reaction. One last tip. Review every customer-facing function at least once per quarter. Anything that touches the customer, from obvious things like your website or how you're using social media to billing and collections. Billing and collections is a big deal because... Whether you do it electronically, however you do it, it's a big deal because ultimately it affects customer service and everything about it, but make everything, how you answer the phone and how you communicate with your customer base, get it reviewed and review it frequently, quarterly if you can. This keeps things fresh, assists in getting consistent messages out to customers, plus the very act of reviewing will further ensure that your staff becomes more sensitive to how they're affecting customers and continue to develop a customer-centric mindset. So let's summarize. Good communication is at the foundation of building and maintaining extraordinary customer relationships and equally extraordinary employee relationships. It's more than just how you communicate with customers, but how you communicate with each other within the company that affects those customers. And remember, employees will treat customers exactly how they are treated, and no complaints does not necessarily mean good service. Well, we're at that mecca time of end, and so we'd like to thank you and hope you have as much fun as we do in listening to these as we do as producing them. We invite you to share your war stories, ask questions, and even request an invitation to be a guest at one of our virtual roundtables. We'd like you to take the test drive and see where it takes you and your business. You can check us out at sbvirtualroundtables.com. In fact, we'll allow you up to three complimentary visits as our guests, and you can be confident that you will fit. We can promise you'll feel like you're one of the family sooner than you might expect. Thanks for being here. We're signing out. See you, guys. You've been listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the podcast providing eye-opening insights and perhaps a caffeine high to better run your business. Delivered in Stan Simpkins and Lonnie Shambi's own unique style. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan, subscribe to the show, find more resources, and check out their monthly 90-minute virtual roundtables. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call. Wake up.